And keep the peace. Keep the peace. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Wag the Dog FM, your weekly public relations podcast. This week, we're going to talk about branding. And I've invited Mark Klosterman, who is one of the authors of Future Proof Your Brand, a new book coming out about brand management. And uh, Mark is uh, he's somewhere with years of experience around branding. Uh, he's also the founder of uh, VIM Group uh, in the Netherlands, and it's a global agency. And they have a huge experience working with brands like Merck, ABB, BMW, Deloitte, and others. And we're diving down here in, of course, the content of the book that uh, Mark uh, co-wrote with his colleague, Laurens Hoekstra. And we'll um, go step by step on what a brand is, but how you manage a brand and how branding is perceived in our industry. So branding is uh, the 200% topic of this week's episode of Wag the Dog. Here we go. Keep the peace. Hi, Mark, and welcome to this edition of uh, Wag the Dog FM. Hey, Philip. Good to meet you again. How are you? Yeah, great. Sun is shining, so uh, happy day. <laughs> okay, good. Mark, we're here to uh, talk about your uh, your book that you've co-written with uh, Lawrence Hoekstra, that's your colleague. Future-proof your brand. So tell us a bit, how does it came about? Well, you know, it's uh, I've never had the intention to write a book, actually, but uh, over the years, at various occasions, uh, a lot of yeah, well-respected people recommended that we must write a book. And uh, especially because they said that our approach to branding, uh, as we call it, branding from the business administration side, is unique. Um, and also because brand is boardroom, uh, Chefsache of, of German. Um, that's all very nice and uh, yeah, good ideas, but so far we didn't uh, decide to take it on. But last year, there was a moment where we said, well, maybe we should do that. Also leave something behind for the profession. And we feel that brand is much more important than uh, it's been treated to date. So, uh, yeah, here we are. We've, we've done it. And uh, well, I'm still still working together closely with my partner, Lawrence. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great journey. <laughs> now, I've, I've, of course, I, I, I got a copy of your book when we met in uh, Brussels at the uh, EACD summit. So I, I went through that. It's it's a very complete book because you're you're starting about the idea of, of course, what is a brand and but, but what is it more than just a logo and a, and a brand name? Uh, do you, do you think that is still something that that professionals need to get behind? That it's it's much more than that. That it has a, a, a true financial value, but also reputational value. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's the whole impetus of the book and also why we thought it was a good idea to put uh, thinking, vision, and experience down. And we see that when we discuss about brands, it's mostly at boardroom level. Um, and mostly also we get those conversations initiated by boards or by yeah, corporate comms or marketing directors. And the reason is that mostly branding is yeah, not being dealt with as the most important intangible asset of organizations. It's also not having the governance that other assets within organizations have. I mean, imagine 18%, 1-8% of the value uh, of organizations, the market capitalization of organizations is brand value, according to brand finance last year. Now, that would require a very strong governance if an asset is that important for your business. If you look like uh, a factory, or other assets or group uh, functions that organizations have. They're all very well established. 
very well organized. They have procedures, they have budgets, they have structure. And well, branding mostly doesn't have that. It sits somewhere with marketing or communications or in between. And it's not being dealt with as a, as a true yeah, asset. And um, you can see this because it's not represented in boards. Um, and it's, yeah, it's mostly, of course, it is a very dispersed thing, the brand. I mean, if you look at brand, um, it's, it's being operated by all parts of the organization. Um, and then to coordinate that internally, that's always already a big challenge, mm. let alone on how that will impact your audiences uh, reputation-wise. It's, of course, a very complicated uh, set of intangible relationships between organization uh, and, and well, employees and through the employees to the external audiences. So, so does it suffer a bit from the same, let's say, the same issues than, than this big other word, which is called reputation. We talk a lot about reputation in public relations or in comms. Uh, we have studies proving that, you know, an impact on your reputation has an impact on your bottom line, but it's not very clear where it should sit and it's, it's everybody's responsible for reputation kind of thing. But then, of course, when you say that, it's pretty open to all and then at the end of the day, nothing happens in the way of governance and managing a brand and or a reputation. Is that a, a bit the same? Do you see some parallels there? Well, I think that there's... Uh, there's always the, a lot of semantics around brand and reputation. For me, brand is what an organization does to uh, create um, all the activity and actions around what they want to be. And reputation is what uh, audiences perceive the organization to be. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, you, you know as well as I do, if you look at current um, research and the CEOs around the world, they will all say that reputation is very important and that it goes to their heart. But then again, it's both reputation and brand is all to do about the intangible relationship between an organization and stakeholders, most importantly, uh, customers. But then, of course, you also have uh, investors and employees and and suppliers and other stakeholder groups. So... um, Whilst that's being so intangible, it's very difficult to grasp and it's a very indirect thing. Um, I think if you look at branding uh, and if you, for example, look at the work that brand finance is doing, um, they correlate and and make a direct uh, relationship between how much a brand is able to command a price premium, especially Mm -hmm. with customers. And if you know that, I mean, if you... I always use the example of a Nike cap. If you take a white Nike cap um, with a swoosh on it, you will pay like $15. But for the same white Nike cap uh, without a swoosh, uh, so it's not a Nike cap, but just a white cap, you would likely to pay $1.95. Yeah. Now, if you are able to identify, and this is the type of work they do, how much price premium a brand commands, so you're looking specifically at the stakeholder uh, target group of customers. Well, then you can see the price premium, and if you then, of course, multiply that uh, over time with uh, with how many of them you sell, you know what the the value, the sheer value of brand is. So I think maybe a bit of a long answer here, but reputation, of course, spans across customers, but also all other stakeholders. So that's why I think that yeah, reputation management and the value of reputation management is even bigger than brand value, but also yeah, more complicated because it's spanning all stakeholder groups yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. much more. 
Now, in, in your book, you're, um, I mean, the title uh, says it all, right? Future-proof your brand. So you're talking about the future or the, let's say the very near future because you're talking as well about uh, technology and disruptions happening. So could you cover a, a bit of those? So we, you're talking about 5G, artificial intelligence, um, Internet of Things and those kind of things. So how, why did you take those kind of uh, technologies? Are they impacting already today? And that is an open question, of course. But so, so why those topics? Well, what we've done in, in, in creating our book is, is first did some research and analysis of what are the things that are really impacting the world of business today and, and equally also the, the, the world of brands. And uh, from our research, we gathered these four main trends and basically they are part one of our book. It's like the outside view of the world of what's happening. And what we see is that the world is accelerating. And um, if you talk to board members, they can implicitly feel it. It's a bit of a nagging feeling. They see that a lot of things are changing, but they cannot articulate it well. So what's, what we did is indeed we described these four trends. And, and if, if you don't mind, I'll just briefly describe sure. them. I think 5G, that's the fifth generation wireless standard. And experts say it's a shift akin to the shift from typewriter to computer. So that's... That's amazing. It's, it's solving the issue of not having enough data speed and bandwidth will no longer be a limitation. And it's likely that 5G is hitting the market in 2020. So as of 2020, and mind you, that's in two and a half years, we will see that speed in communications or bandwidth for video, for example, is no longer a limitation. Then the second thing is artificial intelligence and machine learning. If you think of services like Google Now or Amazon recommendation, already uh, they, they have created a user experience and a customer journey where they predict from you who you are and your behavior online, what might be of interest to you. So if you are responsible for a brand, think like this and think what the customer journey of the future might look like and it will provide a great insight in how much different it will be. The third thing is the Internet of Things. So devices uh, will be connected with each other uh, to the web 24-7 and always. So it means that robotization is on its way. And currently you see that a lot in, in healthcare and industry uh, and defense, but it will become uh, very mainstream in other sectors as well. And it will have a, a huge impact. I mean, if you are, if you are, uh, well, you can take cars, take Tesla, the cars get better whilst they age. So whilst you may think that's normal because of the software updates, Tesla is the only brand in the world that has it today. And imagine that all cars and devices have that. All the maintenance will be done even before you need, you, you know it needs done because the service provider will already know and as part of a contract will have done it. So, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. business constructs will change um, and, and a lot of other things along with that. So that's the third trend. The fourth trend is virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality. And um, you see that a lot in gaming. So you may think, well, it's not for me. That can wait. But I can tell you that like three years ago, we uh, did a feasibility study of the, the rebranding cost for the uh, dealership of BMW um, in, in your country, by the way, in Belgium. Yeah. And I remember that the cost for refurbishing this um, retail store of BMW to the 
to, to become a multi-sensory experience. So you would walk in there, it would be movie, it would be video, the wind would blow along your pipes and you would really immerse into the experience. And it would cost millions to do that refurbishment of the stores and they've done it. And now today we have virtual reality. So if you put a Oculus Rift or another device on your head, you can get that 3D experience just like behind your desk where you're, where you're sitting now, or wherever uh -huh. in the world. Mm -hmm. So if you look in automotive, for example, it will radically change the rules of the game. And well, this is only an example that relates to VR and AR. If you combine the first three friends, trends of 5G, AI and Internet of Things, you get, an, you get a feeling of like, this is much bigger than we've ever seen before. And uh, yeah, so this is why we believe that the world is really accelerating. Yeah, and then further down in the book, you, you, you talk about, of course, when you look at these technologies which are happening or, or very, very much close by, uh, the consequences then that they have on a brand and organization. You're mentioning increased transparency, of course, the, the usability of data or the availability of data, and then, of course, understanding how you, you should use it. Brand experience, you, you just cover that with virtual reality, for instance. The brand experience is, is changing enormously. So by definition, that will impact your brand and your positioning. And then that, that thing, of course, that, that we've been, all of us have been discussing for, for so many years is, is that change. So, so how do you, how, how would, the, would an organization take that into account and then manage a brand in, in that context? Well, I think that um, the whole impetus of change is is is, is more dimensional. Um, what we see is that most brand management functions are uh, led by people uh, who do not have a sheer business background. Mm -hmm. um, they they may come from creativity or from marketing or from communications. And if you go back to the curricula of the universities that we've studied. Um, you didn't go into branding or marketing or communication because you were the most beta person, mostly uh, the common denominator of the professionals. Today, uh, we see around the world is more alpha than, yeah. than beta in their background. And if you look at these trends, it's all IT, it's all data, and uh, with, with large speed. So processes and agile processes become much more important than they've ever been. Um, big data is no question that you have to define what is my role in big data. Do I want to be ahead of the curve or do I just want to well, wait until it comes to me from other departments in an organization? Well, to me, of course, that's not a question. I mean, you have to be ahead of it. But then it means that you have to get under, really immerse yourself into what it means, uh, big data. Um, and just back to the point of it's not being incorporated well in the curricula of the universities. So the curricula of universities will have to shift massively to cope with this change. In order to do that, all the teachers uh, and the professors need to change. And then it will take 15 to 20 years before such a generation is really in the responsible uh, and responsible yeah. positions. Mm -hmm. So it means for the next 15 years that you and I will have to do self-learning. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> no, I mean, but that's a very different thing than from the last 20 years. It's really changing the game. So, um, of course, we see a lot of, uh, of clients that we work with, for, for example, in financial services, who are totally immersing themselves in agile working and 
continuous uh, change management. And it's difficult for people to, to adhere to that type of change. And I think the, the last thing uh, in terms of consequences is the experimentation bit. Um, if everything is going so quickly, you have to like come up with what the idea would be, prototype it, uh, go like 80% of the way, uh, and then do it and adapt and, and see how you can improve. So experimentation is mostly the closest to what a lot of marketing and communication and brand managers have in their DNA. They are used to playing with ideas and execute them, try them and adapt. But this will be, be yeah, increasingly uh, stay a very relevant uh, topic in the, in the skill set of, of, of people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely the, the, the skills uh, bit is, uh, is going to be a huge challenge in our, in our professions, definitely. Your 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 company um, VIM Group. I mean, you're, you are consultants. You have a uh, a brand lifecycle model. Can you can you take us a bit about those different steps that you have in your model? Yes, of course. Yeah. So what we've done in our book is uh, is is also dedicated a section on how we go about managing for brand performance. Because if if these trends come to us, you need a structured way of uh, going about. Uh, branding and brand management. And this is basically uh, what we've developed in our uh, brand management uh, life cycle, um, where you see the, the, the consequent steps that you can continuously go through. And basically it starts with the organization of a brand, so it's brand governance. And then through the manifestation of brand, it fans out to all touch points and channels that an organization has with uh, the outer world. And um, by applying this model, we've been developing that over the last 10 years, we are able to, to guide our clients in the fast uh, changing world. And obviously we don't put the model at the table every, every day, but it's the background of our thinking yeah. and how we train our people. Because basically if you see all these changes, and, and you know that also think from your own background, five to 10 years ago, if you were in PR or comms, you could tell the world, this is what's changing. And sometimes we would even uh, would see organization tell, tell the audiences, the stakeholders externally that things were changing because they would think, well, if the outer world changes, our internal world will change as well because it's, it's often not easy to change the internal world. Mm -hmm. And of course, today we live in a totally transparent world and a very fast, based world with social media everywhere. So the way to go, and this is also incorporated in our um, in our model, uh, is to go through the employees from the inside out. It takes a long time, but it's very important to tell your employees first and foremost what, uh, well, what you stand for, what the purpose is, and how that translates into uh, tangible things for uh, all the stakeholder groups basically so that's yeah basically the core points of, of how we go about managing for brand performance and i think you're touching there on a, a very important part through these interviews through wag the dog but also people meeting people at conferences and and working with clients sometimes i'm amazed how this so crucial important group which are employees <laughs> inside the organization are overlooked it seems like a lot of organizations are so focused on on the external side of things that we forget that our own employees are the first line of defense but also the first brand ambassadors they are the most of the time the first brand users and still we see that that you know, internal comms is a bit forgotten and, and yes, there are developments, but the, most of the things that I hear around me is about external, external. So I think Absolutely. it's a very important point that you make here is that it all starts from the inside and then moves outwards, right? 
Yeah, but it's not. It's still not very well recognized. I mean, I can give you two examples. One example is um, that I see with most of our clients, if they want to, mostly if they want to change their branding and do a rebranding, it's because of a merger or a takeover or an IPO or changing the positioning. Um, and the, the, the most thing, the most important thing for a board, of course, is when do we communicate to the external world? Is this a capital markets day or is this some other important event? And we have quite a lot of conversation with our So if you want to launch in three months, months something to the outer world, how are you going to bring your internal community up to speed? Uh, do you, are you considering to do that at all? Or yeah. do we have time for that? So how does that work? And that, no, yeah, quite often that leads to conversations in boards like, okay, maybe we should postpone a bit because you're right, it will fall flat. It's yeah. a big risk. And that's one example. The second example is we did the rebranding of one of England's most famous football clubs last year. And um, one of the things we recommended is to to do a poll with their fan base. I mean, obviously a football brand is not is a huge emotional, highly emotional brand. Yeah. Organization-wise, uh, those organizations are not that large. I mean, they have one, say 500 or 1,000 employees as a football club, the biggest in the world. Uh, but on a, uh, on a global scale, that doesn't mean they are a large organization. So um, this is where we said, look, maybe before you do the rebranding and, and bring it out there, why not check in with, with all the fans around the world and let them have a say in what you want to do? Right? Just give them some options. Mm-hmm. And well, they participated in that around the world. And by doing so, a rebranding was received very well. Yeah. And, um, and you can see that quite recently, Juventus did something like that. They brought out a new logo without uh, checking in with the fans. They didn't like it. And that gave a lot of hassle. And yeah, and a lot of issues, and it's very difficult to, yeah, to come back to that. Of course, once you once you bring it out, yeah. Yeah, so it's a totally different example, but I think still a very good example of how you have to have a dialogue uh, internally uh, as well as externally. No, I, I think I mean, it, at least that is a lot better than what I once heard from. Uh, from a CEO uh, where the answer was, well, they read it about it in a newspaper tomorrow, (laughs) (laughs) which unfortunately still happens, but uh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, uh, I mean, let's be honest, in business, if you do like, if you're preparing a split off of a division or a carve out or an IPO, sometimes you just don't have the time. time. There's also something like investor relations where you cannot even disclose certain Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying that it's, I mean, it can happen, and it's still then you have to have a plan in place. Um, and that's, I think, why you should equally uh, much focus on as the external communication. It's also much cheaper uh, because external comes, of course, you have to buy the media space mostly, whereas um, yeah, the employee engagement is a thing that you can do internally, and all your employees will speak for you. Yeah. Uh, of course, it, it varies a lot whether you're B2B or B2C. I mean, in B2B, uh, I see that most of our clients, they know the customers. So, uh, yeah, if you change something in your branding, it's like a free opportunity to tell the world that we are changing and this is why and why it's good for you. Mm-hmm. If you are B2C, uh, it depends on what you're selling and uh, you, you could you can still do that. But in B2B, that's a stronger opportunity, a better opportunity than in yeah. B2C. Even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You also have a, an, an approach to, of course, because... Uh, you just mentioned it. I mean, brands change, uh, positionings are, are, are changing as well after a certain time. 
how do you go about that with clients? You have a, a, a delivery um, methodology, I, I, I guess. So how does that normally work with a with a client who has decided to, well, you know, we need for one or the other reason, we are going to reposition our brand, we are going to change our brand. How does that work from your experience? Yeah, we. I mean, we started our business 26 years ago and basically... Uh, what we started with was rebranding fleet at the time. Mm -hmm. So really changing brands from A to B uh, with with decals and stickers and paint. That's yeah, how the business yeah. came together. <laughs> yeah, and from that we evolved into the world of brand implementation and brand management. So for changing your brand, we have a four-step uh, default process. Phase one is getting organized. Phase two is getting prepared. Those two phases are always before launch. And uh, then you're getting it done is after launch, the implementation, the rollout of a brand across all touch points. And the last phase is to getting it to last. So how do you organize your brand management so that it will be sustainable and successful over time? Now, if you focus on those two first steps for getting organized, the question that we almost like 90% of our clients we get is, okay, how, what, what do rollout scenarios look like? Can we save money and how much money do we need to reserve? So uh -huh. yeah. creating scenarios for change is always what we do in getting organized. And we have a very specific, unique service uh, that we've developed for that. It's called the impact analysis. And our impact analysis is what all our clients start with in exploring the options that they have. So how much, uh, how do I complete the business case for rebranding? Um, mostly they will work with a branding agency to work on the brand strategy mm -hmm. and the research and the design. And we will then complete those strategic options with what the financial, organizational and visual implications are. So that, that those two things we then bring into the board where we have, say, the, yeah, the most yeah, sophisticated discussions with board members on, okay, if this is the brand strategy and from the brand strategy, you would derive that you have to do this very evolutionary in terms of ambition, but very quick, then this would be the consequences in money yeah. and uh, in time. And if, if that's the case, are you then still thinking this is your best option or do you want to go much slower with much lower communicative impact at much lower spend? Or uh, are there ways to change the prioritization in the mix um, from which you can be very effective uh, in your rebranding initiative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go beyond step one, getting organized and conducting an impact analysis, um, it's uh, the getting prepared phase is basically if you've chosen one of the recommended options from the impact analysis, of course, you need to detail that and you need to set up a project organization to really equip yourself to manage the change appropriately. So mostly uh, we do that by setting up a project management office together with the client in their offices to liaise with all the internal businesses and departments uh, and also with the external agency partners that they have. So we coordinate those and we also uh, help mostly to select those uh, partners. Now, fr from, the, uh, from your experience, you've been doing this for, uh, for, for a lot of years now in the work around brand. Have you seen... Any organizational type of organizations or B2B, B2C or, or, or industries maybe which are much more focused on their brand than others? I think traditionally, of course, B2C seemed more important than in B2B. I think the big change we're seeing is the, the digitalization that's kicking in at the moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, we I think one third of our clients we work for today, and, and this is all global 
global brands, global clients. And what we see is that they are on a brand transformation journey, not because of a repositioning or a strategic change, but only to become fit for digital. Yeah. Because digital requires more transparency, more simplicity. So it means that they are revisiting their brand architecture at the moment. Because if you have a portfolio of like 50 or 100 brands, how well can that work in a fully digital world? Mm-hmm. Then in a digital world, you have much less physical space to express yourself because the space is limited to your mobile uh, phone. Mm-hmm. So if you're lucky, it's 5.2 inch. Uh, ish yeah it's fit in your pocket so and then the type of design you need in a digital space is totally changing because the physical space is becoming much less Mm -hmm. but if you imagine what is the most important element in digital branding the most important digital element in in branding on on a mobile first is the font so your typography yeah so because it's ultimately, if you, you if you look at your smartwatch, and no doubt everybody will have a smartwatch or a smart glass in, in a certain period of time, together with a smartphone, ultimately you will only see a brand through its font, the typography. Maybe through color, maybe through shape, but you just don't have the space. So ultimately it comes down to typography. And we've seen over the last two decades that all uh, larger brands have just been going on a route of standard fonts and standard typography. But in a digital world, if that's the thing that you can distinguish yourself with, well, we, we see, like I said, with one out of three clients at the moment, that they are reinventing themselves. So it means that they are all on a yeah, digital transformation journey, all very gradual changes, but a lot of small changes in a short period of time to, to demonstrate that they're yeah, that the identity becomes modern again, because you will see in three years from now, I really predict that if you don't change uh, your digital um, uh, experience, then it, the result will be that you will just be looking outdated or old fashioned. Mm-hmm. And you can see this. I mean, one of our clients is ING. They're on, a, on this journey big time. And you can see that they are becoming a modern brand, a brand that people want to work with. And well, you can also look into the financial services world and you see a lot of brands and already you go like, hmm, they are not looking fintech, are they? And it's a huge challenge. Yeah, what's happening there? You're mentioning ING, uh, banking sector. If you see, I just read a report on, on you know, what, what is popping up and how it will be disrupted that in that kind of industry we're talking about, of course, blockchain and all these things, but also new banks popping up, 100% digital banks. I, I just became a client of a 100% digital bank, doesn't own offices, uh, that's it. It's in Germany, so who cares where it is, you know, as long as I can use the financial services. Uh, I open an account from here in Morocco by doing a video interview, showing my passport, and that's it, five minutes. So, of, of course, yeah, definitely. I mean, those those kind of, uh, of industries, which, which let's, let's face it, I mean, we're a bit uh, conservative. I mean, it was traditional, banking is a traditional business, will definitely be under pressure. And it's it's good to see that those older brands are starting to adapt to uh, to the new world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, well, I think we, we spoke about automotive. If you think about the travel uh, industry, Airbnb yeah. is the biggest hotel in the world. If you look in the uh, B2B sector, one of our clients is ABB, on a big digital transformation journey. Why? Because of the Internet of Things. They sure. connect all their devices with a platform with, with Microsoft. 
they have a big uh, partnership to really change the world uh, that they're in. And of course, they want to express that. And the way to express that is to update also your branding to 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 show that you're changing. Um, because it's the first impression that people have. Yeah, and, and ABB is a good example because nobody sees ABB, so to say, because it's it's industrial and what have you, but still they are adapting because of digital. And one of the things that we started with, the technologies that are impacting brands today. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, I mean, if you see those large conglomerates like ABB, over 150,000 people, and if you look into their brand portfolio, well, there's a lot of work to do to streamline that, and that's mm -hmm. a big journey that they are undertaking. Yeah. Mark, uh, to close down our, our chat here, if, if tomorrow there is a brand coming, let's say it's a B2B brand, you know, first meeting with a potential new client and uh, you go through these things and, and, and you'll tell me it, it all depends, but based on your book, on your research, your experience, what is one of the most single important things when we talk about a brand? What is, what is the biggest trend or what is the biggest point that you that an organization really needs to take into account hmm. well I, to me a brand is boardroom i think i go back to that point uh, we get a lot of questions where where we then go okay but let's let's have the conversation with the board and see what's really uh, the strategic implication of what they want to do and then start again because um, that's the most uh, not understood things. I mean, we have a whole chapter in our book on describing what are relevant boardroom topics around branding, and they are mostly missed. And again, this goes back to curricula of, our, of most of the, the people that we see in our professional world. Mm -hmm. The world is changing, and, and business people are not taking branding serious enough. And yeah, I think that's the most important thing. Mark, thank you very much for uh, these, what, around 30 minutes of, uh, of a chat about your new book. So we'll put, of course, a link uh, for people listening to the show to Future Proof Your Brand, uh, the book that Mark and his colleague Rarens uh, wrote about branding. Mark, thank you very much for being on the show. And I hope we can have another conversation about branding uh, soon in, the, let's say, the next uh, six months, because things will keep on changing. I'm sure we will, Philip. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to be uh, with you. And uh, good luck. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this was Mark Klosterman talking about his new book, Future Proof Your Brand, all about branding. You will find a direct link to the book on the show notes, which, like every week, you can find on www.wagthedog.fm. Do check them out. Also, if you listen to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast library, please do give a review, if you like the podcast, of course. Please do give a review. It is important for the future of this show. So go over there and uh, give me some feedback uh, as well. Don't forget, I really appreciate the feedback I get from you listeners, so don't hesitate. Well, have a great week, and until next time, do the right thing. Keep the peace.